I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the desert, bare man. I've breathed the mountain air, man. This is the road less traveled, presented by Nikki Shay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of the Road Less Traveled podcast. It's Nikki Shay back with you again this week. If you'd like to jump onto our website, which is fatcatmedia.com.au, there you will find all the previous episodes from Season 1 and Season 2 of the Road Less Travel podcast. Also, you can follow the show on Facebook and Instagram too. Just search for the Road Less Travel podcast. On Instagram, it's the Road Less Travel podcast 2021. And on Facebook, you just search for the Road Less Travel podcast. That's where each um, week we upload details of uh, how to get on to the show that's been uploaded for that week on the podcast. Now, this week we are on the road, so the sound quality will be a little bit off-centre, but bear with us because we're in the Golden Triangle of Victoria. It's a long weekend, so we thought we'd take advantage of the nice weather before sort of autumn-winter starts to set in. So we started off on Saturday in the heart of Melbourne in Abbotsford, which is Collingwood, and it was the Australian Distillers Festival. The Australian Distillers Festival um, was hosting some of Australia's best distilleries and you were able to actually immerse yourself in the all-time favourites as well as Delvage New Spirits and they certainly left people stunned. Throughout the day, um, we are, you were able to travel through the regions of Australia all in one place to get the full tasting experience and also had the chance to purchase plenty of products. And there was plenty of tasting portions, um, and it's good, as good as it was. There's also some fantastic food vendors available, live music to make the day much better. And um, there was plenty of people at the Australian Distillers Festival, where they showcased um, not just from Victoria, but all around Australia. I shouldn't say all around Australia, because Western Australia wasn't actually represented. But uh, if you are into your vodka, into gin, into whiskies. Uh, this was the place to go. There was a huge amount, um, some might say that the market might be now a little bit saturated, a huge amount of distilleries that are popping up uh, all around Australia. So, um, yeah, it was good to, to check it out. And the location was an interesting one. Never even been there, never even heard of before, the uh, Abbotsfoot, Abbotsfoot, Abbotsford um, convent. It's a living place for curiosity and collaboration. When we were there, they had their Saturday uh, farmer's market and it's the heart of a creative community where everyone is welcome. It's just four kilometres from Melbourne CBD and it's spread out over 16 acres. Uh, Abbotsford Convent is Australia's largest multi-arts precinct, a plus place of art, culture and learning. It's also renowned for its rich history. We'll get into it that, into that in a moment. It's uh, striking built and natural landscapes and the remarkable sort of community-led campaigns to preserve it from commercial development. The site was enshrined on Australia's National Heritage List in 2017 and today this nationally and internationally unique precinct is managed by the Abbotsford Convent Foundation, which is a non-for-profit social enterprise. Now, the convent is home to a vibrant creative community, wellbeing practitioners, there's a gallery, cafes, radio station there too, two schools and an abundance of green open spaces. Now they are really passionate about working collaboratively with artists and partnering with arts and cultural organisations and I guess it's to really present contemporary thought-provoking and really enriching experiences for all to enjoy. And every year they curate and also welcome over 2,000 art projects, rehearsals, workshops, exhibition, both private and corporate events, markets and festivals. So let's talk about the actual location. 
The precinct that surrounds the convent is the most intact site associated with the first documented European inland contact in Victoria. In 1803, Charles Grimes, who was the Surveyor General of New South Wales, explored the Yarra by boat as far as Dites Falls. Now, this bend of the river has been subject to less change than any other section of the Yarra River, and the valley has changed little since early days of settlement. Land at this bend of the river has been used for farming since the first formal land sales occurred in 1838, although anecdotal evidence indicates that squatters were present before this date. Now, the Abbotsford Precinct Heritage farmlands, upon which the former convent is sited, are the oldest continually farmlands in Victoria, which I didn't know. The entire site is unique in that it's the only example of a working inner-city convent farm in a major city anywhere in the world. The Collingwood Children's Farm, which was established in 1979, continues this farming tradition. Now, motivated by his passion for the Yarra River, Charles Latrobe set aside land for parklands, now known as Yarra Bend Park, and for Government House, which was a concept abandoned in 1842, opposite what would later become the Abbotsford Convent Precinct. Edward Kerr lived on the site from 1842 to 1850 at his estates in Hilliers. A news report of 1884 noted that the restaurant owner and hotelier, Samuel Moss, made a fortune in the goldfields area of Melbourne and sank some of it into building what is now the convent at Abbotsford. In 1863, four Irish sisters from the Good Shepherd's Mother House in Angers, France, bought the two large 1840s villa estates, St Helier's and Abbotsford House, to, to establish rather their order. Their order was the Sisters of the Good Shepherd. And from 1863 to 1975, the Sisters of the Good Shepherd and Order of the Roman Catholic Church occupied this site. For a century, from the 1860s onwards, the Sisters of the Good Shepherd provided accommodation, schooling and work for female orphans, wards of the state and girls considered by the state and or the church to be in moral danger. There also existed a smaller number of older residents whose ages ranged from young adult to the elderly. These elderly residents, some of whom had been at the convent since childhood, were housed in a separate dormitory. There were vegetable and fruit gardens, dairy and poultry farms and a piggery. Now, income to buy what could not be grown on the made-on site was generally through lace-making and commercial laundry services. The convent was able to house up to 1,000 residents and was largely self-sufficient through its farming, industrial school and laundry activities. As with many such institutions of its era, conditions for the girls was often austere. The large buildings were largely unheated and the girls were pressed into laundry and other activities that involved long, long hours and no pay. Children housed at the convent as recently as the 1960s have reported that the daily operation of the convent of the convent, rather, was draconian. The earliest industrial developments in Melbourne were along the banks of the Yarra River and at Abbotsford, Collingwood and Richmond, which became the most important industrial regions in Australia until World War II. The area suffered major social problems as a result of poverty and poor housing, particularly during the depressions of the 1890s and the 1930s. The convent was a significant architectural and cultural landmark, for a local community that had included a high proportion of Catholic working class. Today, the former convent of the Good Shepherd is historically recognised as the most important Catholic institutional complex constructed in Victoria. 
Since the turn of the 21st century, the site has become a community art and cultural hub, hosting a various cultural institutions across art, music, food, community gatherings, textiles and other disciplines, as I spoke about earlier. Now, if you ever happen to have the opportunity to head down to the Abbotsford Convent Precinct, as I said, on most Saturdays, they have uh, a farmer's market there and sort of a, a communal farming, real community kind of um, farmer's market have the opportunity to wander around. They've got signage on all of the buildings that let you know what happened uh, in the history of what those buildings were actually set up for. And as we mentioned earlier on, um, the laundry was sort of one of the major um, aspects of the convent. And from the early 1890s to, again, the 1960, most Australian capitals had a large Roman Catholic convent that contained a commercial laundry where the work was done by mostly teenage girls who were placed in the convent. Now, these girls, they were committed both voluntarily or involuntary for reasons such as being destitute, also known as uncontrollable, which was judged by their family members or they had been picked up by the police. Now, according to history, the girls came from a variety of very disturbed and deprived backgrounds and were individually hard to deal with in many cases. Laundry work was regarded as suitable as part of the work program for the girls as it did not require much training nor substantial capital expense. Now, former inmates consistently have reported negative memories of conditions in the convent laundries detailing verbal abuse by the nuns and other supervisors and very hard physical work under difficult conditions. In accordance with the traditions of the nuns, much of the day proceeded in silence. So, like orphanages, these institutions received almost no government funding either. As in the underfunded institutions, the food was described as bland. The nuns shared the conditions of the women inmates such as bad food, hard work, confinement and long periods of silence. Education for residents was either of poor quality or lacking altogether. The sisters had no physical contact with the girls, nor emotional contact in the sense of listening to the girls' concerns. Dangers included the infectious diseases of the time and workplace accidents. In 1889, one of the sisters of the Abbotsford Convent lost her hand in an accident involving laundry machinery. In 1942, 14-year-old Doris Dyer lost her arm from the shoulder when she was caught in the laundry mangle at the home of the Good Shepherd Laundry in West Leadville in WA, which is now the Catherine Macaulay Centre. Now, these institutions also, too, were sometimes called asylums, and they were established as refuges with the, refu- rather with the residents free to leave. In the early 1900s, they reluctantly began to accept court referrals. These places took in girls whom no one else wanted and who were forcibly confined contrary to the wishes of both the girls and the nuns. A 1954 report of the Sun Herald of a visit to a laundry found that 55 girls there were there involuntarily, 125 voluntary inmates, including 65 mentally challenged adult women, and about 30 who were originally there involuntarily but had stayed on. These dormitories were also described as seriously overcrowded. So the conditions were draconian, weren't the best, and a lot of the girls there were sent there by their families because they were perhaps morally corrupt or in some cases when you read some of the signs there, some of the families just felt that their children, their girls, were too beautiful uh, to be out in society and would be led astray. So that's why they committed them to these convents. Certainly we live in different times now, don't we? And if you want to find out more information on the Abbotsford, Abbotsford Convent, as I'll try and put a sentence together, they're on Facebook. 
Um, they're located at number one St Hilliers Street in Abbotsford in Melbourne and you can find them online. They have a website which is abbotsfordconvent.com.au. Make sure you check it out if you are in Melbourne. Go, I've never even heard of it before and it was, it's off Johnson Street as you come over, for those of you in Melbourne, as you're heading in towards the city, uh, coming in through the, the old way before they put the East Link in. We used to come down through Johnson Street, you go over the, the uh, Yarra River, it's right on your left-hand side. Um, never even knew that it was there after all those years um, and uh, never visited there before and it was fantastic. It's about 16 uh, acres and um, a, a really great place to visit and um, make sure you do check it out on Saturdays. They do have their farmer's market there, Abbotsford Convent in Melbourne. That was home of the Australia's Disti- Australian Distillers Festival uh, that was held on Saturday, and if you were in the mood for a lovely day too, for gins, for um, whiskey, there was rum there as well, and vodkas, that was the place to certainly be. We enjoyed it 110%, that's for sure. Now, as it mentions, as it heads out of autumn towards winter, well, a good recipe to have when you're on the robe is robe on the road is cauliflower soup with prawns and chili oil. This is a really creamy, smooth winter soup with a chili oil, a little kick, and a fancy prawn bonus. It looks classy and it tastes delicious. What you are going to need: 500 milliliters of salt-reduced chicken stock, 250 ml of skim milk, 250 ml of water, one cauliflower chopped into florets. One clove of garlic crushed, sea salt and freshly ground pepper, one teaspoon of extra virgin olive oil, four large green prawns cleaned, shelled, deveined and with the tails intact and some chilli oil. You combine the stock, skim milk and water in a large saucepan. Bring it to the boil and add the cauliflower florets and garlic. You then lower the heat to a simmer and cook for about eight minutes or until the cauliflower is just tender. You then put the cauliflower to a blender or a food processor and reserve the cooking liquid in another big bowl. You then whiz the cauliflower to a puree, adding some of the liquid to help make it like a smooth consistency. Tip back into the saucepan and then heat it gently. You then keep adding the stock just a little at a time until you're happy with the consistency. You season to taste with salt and pepper and keep on a low simmer. You then heat the olive oil, which I always use extra extra virgin olive oil, in a small frying pan and saute the prawns for about two minutes or until they are starting to turn that reddish colour. You then season with a little salt and pepper, ladle the soup into bowls and top with a prawn. You drizzle it with a little chilli oil and serve immediately. It is absolutely delicious. It'll serve four people. That is cauliflower soup with prawns and chilli oil. All can be done on the road. Now, it's not by coincidence or a stroke of luck that most of Victoria's major goldfield cities are surrounded by large tracts of native forest. Now, Victoria is unique to Australia and possibly the world for having public access crown land and forests that are surrounding the fabulous Golden Age cities of Ballarat, Bendigo, Castlemaine, Stall, St Arnott and Ararat, which collectively are known as Victoria's Golden Triangle. The mayhem of the 1850s alluvial gold rushes left Victoria with many scars and large areas stripped of trees and topsoil. Now, ironically, this land degraded 
and it led directly to the bigger mining boom of the 1880s and the creation of the sanctuaries which are now beautiful ironbark and native forests. The denuded sort of post-gold rush landscapes were not thrown open to closer settlement in the 1870s and during the same period the geologists working for Victoria's first government department which is the Department of Mines and the Geological Survey of Victoria they recognised the huge mineral potential still waiting beneath the abandoned diggings. So they helped to put together legislation to permanently set aside the goldfields from closer settlements, which paved the way for extensive quartz reef and deep lead mining. It was the deep mines of the 1880s which brought heavy industry and manufacturing to Victoria and made the Golden Triangle the richest goldfields in the world and by 1900 gave Australia the highest standard of living in the world. Now, as the mines closed, the Victorian government established the School of Forestry at Creswick, which was a world pioneer in agroforestry and was actively involved in the reforestation of the Victorian goldfields. The School of Forestry at Creswick is now part of the University of Melbourne and it is still a national and international leader in forest science. Now, if only our public land managers today had similar foresight and imagination to our mining pioneers, then they would harness the enormous sustainable tourism potential that the Victorian Goldfields offers. There are mining sites, little stone villages, forgotten nugget discovery locations, graves, cemeteries, exposed surfacing, surface areas, rather, as well as the stark cliffs and the multicoloured bedrock exposed by hydraulic sluicing. Where in the world can you purchase a miner's right? buy or hire a metal detector and camp in the bush looking for gold nuggets all within minutes of major cities. You can in Victoria and we're in the golden triangle of Victoria. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. You're listening to the Road Less Travelled podcast with me, Nikki Shea. The Road Less Travelled podcast is a proudly Australian, fiercely independent podcast hosted and produced by me, Nikki Shea, for Fat Cat Media. We receive no corporate payments, which means we rely on self-sufficient financial support. If you can and are able to, we would love you to support us via Patreon. Listen to the Road Less Travel podcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and iHeartRadio. You're listening to the Road Less Travelled podcast with Nikki Shea. So this week we are blessed with not only historic architecture, a stunning natural landscape, hip shops, hot restaurants environmentally sustainable ethos, creative and innovative locals in a thriving entertainment scene. We are in Castlemaine, Maldon and Surrounds. It's one of Australia's most exciting destinations. We also uh, will check out Bendigo a little bit later on where we checked out the Gold Prospectors uh, Expo and, uh, in Bendigo over the weekend. Now, Castlemaine is absolutely lovely. It's located between Bendigo and Melbourne and the region has hung on to its gold rush charms while welcoming a whole new generation of residents and visitors who have added fresh life to an area already blessed with natural beauty and history. It's a great little weekender away too. The abundance of art in this area is a delight for visitors. There's not only one of Victoria's most prestigious regional galleries, Castlemaine Art Museum, but also many artist studios in Castlemaine, Maldon and Newstead that are often open to the public. For performing arts, the town proudly hosts the internationally renowned Castlemaine State Festival and other events like the Maldon Folk Festival, the Castlemaine Film Festival and the Newstead Live Music Festival. Central Victoria prides itself on its creative population of writers, musicians, artists and poets. 
Now, Castle Maine and surrounding area, you can feel the full force of nature and the seasons. However, the local soil and climate is perfect for cider, wine and ginger beer production, particularly at Harcourt. Summer is dry and hot, autumns are warm and cool nights, winter is frosty and spring often brings the rain. And thus organic fruit and vegetables are farmed in this area, so why not stock up on the freshest of local produce before you leave? That's what we did. The top restaurants such as The Public Inn, Bistro Lola and Togs Cafe Delight in serving local sourced and organic produce. In Malden, you'll find many cosy cafes and a couple of historic pubs where you can relax and watch the world go by. A visit to the mill in Castlemaine is like visiting a market in Tuscany. There's on-site smoked meats, locally roasted coffee, a small beer brewery and a vegetable store that stocks organic and local produce. You can pack up a picnic and take yourself off to the magnificent Castlemaine Botanical Gardens across the road from the mill. So while Castlemaine is the most modern of country towns, Castlemaine and Malden are also known for their generous grand streetscapes, a constant reminder of their history with streets set in gold rush era aspects. The mining settlement that exists around Castlemaine to this day, such as Guildford, Tewton and Fryston, are living history. But the jewel in the crown are Castlemaine and Malden, with intact heritage buildings such as the courthouse and town hall in Castlemaine and wide streets lined with mature trees. At Malden, the streetscape itself is the hero. With beautifully restored and maintained period architecture from miners' cottages to the Grand Buddha Goldfields Villa in Castlemaine, they can be found all over the region. And Castlemaine Digging's National Heritage Park is one such mining site where the treasures and toils of the gold digging past can still be seen today. Now in spring it's wildflower season, in summer be sure to swim at the reservoir at Golden Point or the picturesque Fawn Springs. In autumn you can see the leaves change colour on the mature trees in the goldfields town and enjoy a bushwalk that suits all levels along the tracks of Mount Alexander. When the weather cools down, warm up by mountain bike riding at La La Bargola Park, which is a world-class mountain biking facility with around 34 k's of single-track trails on the northwestern slopes of Mount Alexander. This region has diverse natural wonders. In one walk, you're likely to see fern gullies, thick woodlands, ironbark and stringybark forests, flora reserves, vineyards and rolling farming hills. You can explore the goldfields track or at least a section of its 210 kilometre length with camping options along the way. And don't forget the new Castlemaine to Maldon Walking and Cycling Trail which is 17 kilometres of track which runs alongside the historic Goldfields Steam Railway. And as always be sure to keep your eye out for the native animals. Kangaroos and wallabies are often sighted in this area. Now, who doesn't love a party, and they do in central Victoria, with more than 100 events a year in the region. Your visit is sure to coincide with a festival, concert or celebration. There are events for car enthusiasts, foodies, art lovers, music fans and cultural vultures all year round. Festivals include the internationally renowned biennial Castlemaine State Festival, featuring the best of local and overseas performances, as well as the annual Malden Folk Festival. Castlemaine also has the Jazz Festival and Newstead Live. Car lovers are well serviced with the Chopped and the Rotary Truck Show. And each weekend you can find the Wesley Hill Market open with baked goods and fresh produce for sale. And once a month the Malden Market and the Castlemaine Artists and Farmers Market draw in hungry crowds from across the district. And many nights of the year there's films or bands performing at venues like the Theatre Royal, the Tap Room or many other local pubs. 
Now, for accommodation, you can choose from stunning self-contained properties, grand homesteads, charming miners' cottages, traditional B&Bs. There's also boutique hotels, well-equipped caravan parks, and even a few repurposed historic churches and Airbnbs. To book, you can call 1-800-171-888 or visit moldencastlemain.com.au. So hang on to your hat because Castlemaine is having a moment and they're pretty sure that there's no one like it else in Australia. It's only 70 minutes from Melbourne. Castlemaine has been reinvigorated and transformed by a new generation of both enterprises and experiences while, of course, honouring its gold rush past. Eat some of the freshest farm-to-table produce and central Victoria is, after all, the state's food bowl. As mentioned earlier, you can see live music at one of the country's oldest theatres. Check out bespoke ceramics, wine, furniture, vintage clothes, even hot rods, and then explore enchanting natural springs, waterholes, and walking tracks. And a weekend at Castlemaine will leave you in no doubt as where you should be where as where rather it should be crowned Australia's coolest country town. And you'll see plenty of Castlemaine and Malden on various TV shows and been featured in films as well, especially the Miss Fisher murder um, series. You'll find uh, the Victorian Goldfields Railway features in that, and that's a classic steam era experience linking the historic centres of Castlemaine and Bolden. You can enjoy the wonderful atmosphere of authentic steam train travel and is certainly a must-do for visitors. It's travel family-friendly excursion class or first class for a touch of elegance. And all details and online bookings, you can go to vgr.com.au. There's return trips from Maldon at 10.30am and 2.45 and return trip from Castlemaine at 12 noon. And that's on Victoria Goldfields Railway. It's a fantastic historic little railway. It's great. So Malden, as I mentioned as well, it could be the most Instagrammable town in Australia. It is picture perfect with an intact gold rush streetscape that has scooped a bundle of awards for preservation. And walking down the winding main street is just like going back into time. And inside the gorgeous shop fronts, you'll find boutique stores including hip, cool homewares, funky garden accessories and don't miss the Malden lolly shop. You can sample local wines and food from the farm gates and cellar doors. And like many towns in the region, Malden is spoilt with fresh organic produce and wine, as well as, of course, antiques, vintage wares and collectibles. It's home to many artists. The back streets are full of period homes and classic Australian bush landscapes. As I mentioned, you can ride on the Victorian Goldfield Steam Railway for a nostalgia hit and a great view of the countryside as long. You can uh, be sure to, to time your visit too with many of the local festivals, including the Maldon Folk Festival or Maldon in Winter. If you've heard the name Harcourt, you'll know that it's famous for Harcourt apples. Just minutes off the freeway, Harcourt is a fertile valley that's one of Victoria's best-kept secrets. They all say that, don't they? The local best-kept secret. As I said, famous for its apples, crisp tasty varieties that have been grown on local orchards here since the 1800s. This community is responsible for producing some of Australia's best wines, cider, ginger beer, vodka, gins and juices. And if you've overindulged while sampling the best of the cellar door, Harcourt also contains the remedy. The town not only has been beautifully has beautiful back roads great for cycling, it's home to the La La Bargoa Park featuring of course the Harcourt mountain bike trails. Open in early 2018, the park includes 34 k's of world-class mountain bike trails to suit all levels, and it's become one of the region's most premier tourist attractions with visitors coming by car or catching the train to Bendigo or Castlemaine 
and biking from there. If you're not a cyclist, no worries. The Goldfields track also winds through the region and suits walkers of all abilities. You can rest your weary calves and chill out with a glass of wine or soda at the end of the day. And that, of course, is the best of both worlds, isn't it? It's not just Bendigo, Castlemaine and Maldon. The surrounding towns are certainly worth a visit, such as Tewton, which is a thriving village on the outskirts of Castlemaine. Tewton is a picturesque former gold mining site with a modern twist, a thriving foodie farm-to-table pub, community-run swimming pool, antique shop, post office and cafe. It's located on the Pyrenees Highway and Tewton is surrounded by box ironbark forest and in the spring wildflowers bloom, a great spot for walkers and cyclists too. Taradale, this vibrant rural village is notable for its patches of native forest and lush valley farmland as well as 19th century Taradale viaduct. The former Gold Rush town is popular with tree changes and those wanting to live in a close-knit and sustainable environment. Newstead is a creative and vibrant rural community and it's home to an eclectic mix of artists, farmers and foodies. Sustainability is a key component of this really environmentally progressive and friendly town. It's situated on the picturesque banks of the Loddon River. Here you'll find artist studios, walking tracks and historic hotels. The town also hosts the Newstead Live Music Festival and Chopped, which brings traditional style rods and custom cars from all over the country. At Barringhap, that's the cruel in the the jewel rather in the crown of the Barringhap is the Cairn Curran Reservoir, a popular sport for boating, swimming, canoeing and fishing. And the town also features in a modern Australian classic, which is Raymond Gator's Romulus, My Father. Friars Town is nestled in the Castlemaine Diggings National Heritage Park. It was home to thousands of miners during the height of the gold rush, now known for its strong sense of community and appeal to tree changes. Now, halfway between Castlemaine and Dalesford is gorgeous Guildford. It's on the Loddon River. It was once home to a large encampment of Chinese miners during the gold rush. Today, historic homes and buildings form an attractive streetscape and its vineyards too, like the model in France, attended with care for the uniquely biodiversity of the land. You can check out the famous Ron Barassi bust, the big tree estimated to be over 500 years old, or catch a gig at the local pub or music hall. Vaughan Springs, that's the home of Vaughan, a natural waterhole in a bushland setting that for years, years has been closely held local secret. There's plenty of parking, so take a picnic down to the banks of the river, taste the mineral water from the pump, you can swim in the refreshing river or take the kids down the huge slide. And now it is on to Bendigo, the city of Bendigo, and when the city shines with historic beauty, cosmopolitan Bendigo is firmly set in the now. It is a vibrant regional city. Bendigo's beautiful streets are the legacy of one of the world's greatest gold rushes. Here you can explore these streets to discover the heart of Bendigo, an arts culture led by the acclaimed Bendigo Gallery. You can dine at award-winning restaurants and cafes, unearth unique fashions and collectibles. Relive the gold rush by visiting their world-class attractions and taste quality local wines and produce from the markets, nearby farms and surrounding vineyards. You can attend an action-packed calendar of arts and cultural, such as food and beverages too, and sports events throughout the year. You can venture to the nearby Heathcote region, which is a long-time favourite for serious wine lovers, which also boasts great bushwalking, riding tracks, lookouts, shopping, dining and water sports at nearby Lake Epilogue. 
I'll get back to Bendigo in just a moment, but you can also venture out and spend the day in the genuine little country towns of the Loddon Valley where take a deep breath and travel along the meandering roads. They start at untouched historic villages, weave their way up to spectacular views on granite-strewn hilltops through ancient forests and then alongside the wide flowing rivers and vast wetlands. In these charming towns, you'll meet warm characters who call these villages home. Lining the streets are clusters of antiques and collectible stores and small shop fronts with some of the finest breads, meats and produce from the land. Going through, you slow down. The pace of life changes and you begin to discover something that you thought long gone. Here you will be revived and inspired. And further afield to Maryborough and surrounds, where the world's largest gold nugget, the welcome stranger, was unearthed in the central gold fields. And today, fortune hunters still flock to Maryborough and Denoli's historic gold-detecting supply stores in search of that elusive find. In Maryborough, the famous railway station is the town's icon and a must-visit. Local art galleries and museums host top-quality exhibitions, and there are many beautiful hotels and cafes to choose from. You can take the scenic drive to Talbot and Fossick, Fossick through the quirky bookstore and other boutiques on offer and taste regional produce at the Provador and Eatery in town. Now, once a month, winding Scandinavian Crescent comes to life for the Farmer's Market Day. And for those who like the outdoors, make sure you bring your bike to pedal along one of the 15 cycling trails, weaving their way through the traditional goldfields and the box ironbark forests. For more information, you can visit Maryborough on, obviously, their website, which is called visitmaryborough.com.au. Now, you can actually get the train with departures nearly every hour from Melbourne Southern Cross Station. Castlemaine is just over an hour from Melbourne by train. It's the perfect way to sit back, relax and enjoy the journey. Public transport requires you to use one of these Mikey cards and you can purchase them online or at ptv.vic.gov.au. And the Castlemaine railway station is just an easy walk just minutes from the CBD. Now, if you're a steam rail buff, the vgr.com.au, you can head there to access information on the steam railway service between Castlemaine and Malden. And by car, the region is very accessible by car, just over an hour from Melbourne via the Calder Freeway, and by bus. Once you arrive at Castlemaine, you will find both public and private companies providing plenty of regular bus services. Now, two events at Bendigo this weekend that we checked out. One that I've been wanting to check out for a while was um, Graceland. It's Elvis Presley from Graceland. I'll talk about that in just a moment. The first one that we went to was the Gold Prospecting Expo, which was held at the Bendigo Showgrounds. And um, it had been put off for the last two years, obviously, due to COVID, but it was back on the agenda. Uh, we visited that, and it was run alongside on the other side of the showgrounds by the Lego Expo. Um, so we checked out the gold one. A little bit disappointing, but hey, for what it was, it wasn't uh, too bad, but it was um, a little bit spread out. It could have been a little bit closer together and just sort of found a lot of the um, people that had their displays there, the exhibitors, weren't all that forthcoming in showcasing what their business was actually doing. One or two were, but um, they were probably the only two that really were. Um, it was good to see that uh, Andrew Bales from the TV show The Weekend Prospector, he was there as part of his raw gold um, business and doing some talks on how to find some gold and the geology of the Victorian goldfields. You also saw Chris from Bogus Prospecting. He was there with a, a meet and greet, so they were some, sort of two people that you could relate to, but others were too busy sort of at times sitting there on their mobile phones rather than getting up and in, engaging with people. 
and from um, people that we had with us there that were new to perhaps getting into prospecting, like what, what do you do, how do you get involved, there was nothing there that really encouraged or showed people what to do or how to become involved in gold prospecting. Um, it was more sort of uh, suited to people who were already in the actual game. So that was a little bit disappointing that there wasn't some, there was only one, oh, take, that, take that back, there was one company there that was um, showcasing going out and taking people out for uh, showing them how to detect using a gold detector. Uh, that was the only only company that was there, which was a little disappointing. I thought there would be more people there trying to get people involved in the hobby of uh, detecting gold prospecting gold prospecting and so forth and it was a little bit spread out but for the first one back after COVID we can't complain too much about it so well, I picked up a couple of good parkings so it wasn't all that bad but uh, thought I was going to spend a few hours there but less than an hour or back in the car so that was uh, a little disappointing. It was then on to um, the Bendigo Arts Precinct for seeing Elvis Presley's Graceland exhibition there and what it was is um the Elvis Presley legacy lives on with a whole lot of personal memorabilia from Elvis Presley from the Graceland collection uh, heaps and heaps and heaps of his uh stage costumes um there was things like um him his rather so Elvis and Priscilla Presley's their wedding outfit uh, things like one of his cars was there. There he had Elvis Presley when he's had his motorbike there. Heaps of personal um, memorabilia that he had, like his own collection of records. The things like telegrams, the original keys, the first city keys that he got for Graceland, um, the contract of sale for Graceland, telegrams that he he got letters from the president when he met President Nixon. Um, his karate outfits, all kinds of memorabilia. They did an inside video of Graceland and it's basically been left how it was in 1977. So that was, uh, it was a little, not wasn't confronting, it was sad because you you look at this icon that you just think, oh, he played music and it, it didn't actually seem real until you started seeing things. Hey, this it was actually a, a man, it wasn't just a person or a, a, a business up there singing, this was an actual man that was... Um, you know, alive and breathing, there was his credit card from 1977, bits on his bedside table, things like that. And other things that we saw was um, all of his costume designs signed off by him, uh, the drawings for those, there was film scripts, there was film contracts, there was um, musical notes like For Love Me Tender, um, songs that he'd written and that he'd signed off on, uh, record contracts, letters, um, all kinds of things, and that was indisposed too with um big uh, like his 1968 performance the comeback special of 1973 up on the big screen too so it was really it was jam-packed it was massively busy it was getting to that point where it was a little bit unpleasant there's far too many people in there but it, um that was really good I, I quite enjoyed that and if you have the opportunity to jump up to Bendigo it's on until um I think early in July it's Elvis Presley's uh Graceland it's absolutely fantastic if you're a Elvis Presley fan or if you're a music fan or a film fan um it's just one to to go and check out and puts a little bit in perspective for me for for one little part of the display as well it was into um with photos and as I mentioned videos so you could look at the photos and hide that's him in that costume I'm up on stage at Las Vegas or wherever it was a set of boxing gloves that uh, Muhammad Ali had autographed and given to Elvis little things like that all throughout 
And one of the touching things was the family photo albums. Um, there was uh, little costumes and baby suits of Lisa Marie Presley. There was photos of Elvis and uh, Lisa Marie with Priscilla, and that kind of brought home a little bit that he was a he was a husband and he was part me he was a father too as well. So if you do have the opportunity, jump on the train, head up to Bendigo if you're in Melbourne, and check out the uh, Graceland. Big sign in the middle of this music everywhere in Bendigo's Elvis. And there's a big sign uh, of uh, Viva Bendigo. Get your photo taken out there and check out Bendigo as part of the Victorian Golden Triangle. And then jump and go get yourself a detector or go get yourself a gold pan and go out and try your luck. Get yourself a, a miner's ride, of course, and you can go out and check out some of the fantastic places where you can uh, go prospecting for gold in Bendigo and the Golden Triangle. And that wraps up this week's edition of the Road Less Travelled podcast. Hope that you've enjoyed it. We sort of ripped through very quickly um, through Castlemaine and Malden and those uh, areas, Maryborough as as well. And But I really wanted to talk to you about Bendigo and checking out um, the Gold Prospecting Expo and, of course, the Elvis Presley Graceland experience too. And, of course, to talk to you about the Abbotsford Convent down there where we went and checked out the Australian Distillers festival uh, at uh, at collingwood or abbotsford trust that you've enjoyed the road less travel podcast this week love to gra- grab your feedback you can shoot me an sms on 0427528467 or an email fatcat at iinet.net.au my name is nikki shea you've been listening to the road less travel podcast and i hope to see you somewhere out there very soon on the road less traveled talk to you next week bye for now i've been everywhere thanks for listening the Road Less Travelled is presented by Nikki Shea and produced by Fat Cat Media. Fat Cat.